0: any time that and I say this very seriously I'm put in the same uh, sentence with Jim Spencer I'm appreciative of that part of my context here is Jim Spencer part of it is McFarland love that guy part of it is the two pastors you have now I mean I just there's a kinship which I really appreciate that. And then I've been to Haiti with Jay, and if I can go to Haiti with Jay, rest of you're easy. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. But I've been in many of your houses. We visited a lot. I've watched people play basketball. Um, I, I've had a kinship with this church for many years, have been in the community for almost 40 now. So this is kind of home. I have in front of you a couple of things. I was in line at Walmart a few years ago, and I had a dozen of these and a dozen of these except they were big bottles and a guy in the line in front of me said sir if you wouldn't have so much of one you wouldn't need so much of the other and I laughed and he laughed and he had made a conclusion without what all the information all the context you see, I was taking care of my mom. My mom would have been 100 this year. Isn't that crazy stuff? Uh, she died at uh, almost 97, but I did her shopping and a lot of other things, but it was always, Alan, I'm out of prune juice. I'm out of Pepto. So I started buying it in bulk, and you had to buy it at Walmart because this is the wrong kind. It's, it's light. She didn't want the light. She wanted the the full-volume thing. So I would buy several. So I'm going through that line, and I actually I had a dozen of each. But the man didn't have context to know what I was doing. Context is important. And then anybody know Raleigh's medicated ointment? That was another one of mom's medicines that she used. I can't read everything that it says, but it's, it's eucalyptus, and it's really good to rub on your chest when you're congested. And I don't know if you put it, I can spell it now. And it's good for other things, too, for temporary relief. Mom ate it. She just take her spoon in there and get a spoonful and eat it down. If it's good for you on the outside, it's okay. Who's responsible for mom's care? Could I do anything about it? What if you made a judgment about me without knowing my mom? You'd probably be erroneous. So I went to the doctor with her. I went to the doctor with her all the time. And I asked him. And he said, she's in her mid-90s. She's doing pretty good. So I was at the pharmacy one day getting stuff. And he said, yeah, talk to your mom again this week. We usually have about a 30-minute conversation when I'm the busiest. If you didn't know context, you would say, Is he taking care of his mom or not? What's he doing? Well, could I keep her from eating this? No, she'd get it from someone else. Aspirin. She loved aspirin, but she wasn't supposed to have aspirin at all. So I went into her house one day, and she didn't know I was in there. And I looked, and she's on a chair, on a stool on a chair... Hanging on to a cabinet door above the refrigerator. Looking for medicine that she thought I'd hidden. And when I, when I came in she said, you caught me. <laughs> Repentant? Oh no. You have to know context. I really feel good here about knowing context of who you are. I don't know all of you intimately, but I know the church, and I know the community, I know your pastors. So, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what God is doing. And that's, again, this big picture of what God is doing. If you notice this morning, the songs were about the glory of God. God is about His glory. He's not primarily about your happiness or your contentment, or even your safety. He's about His glory. I'm going to start out today with Philippians chapter 1 and read a passage. and In the next few weeks, I'll be reading several passages. I encourage you, if you have Bibles, uh, bring them. If you don't, pick one up back there, because I will be reading a lot of Scripture. Philippians 1, a very familiar passage, uh, verses 3 to 11. To the glory and praise of God. What God begins, God finishes. Jesus is a finisher. He finished creation and he did what? He rested. He went to the cross and he said, It's finished. But what's what's he looking for? The one who began the good work. By the way, the word you throughout this is plural. Paul is not saying he who began a good work in Ben it's true by application, he who began a good work in this church will complete it. God's not through Not finished with harvest. He still wants to bring about his glory in this church. Individually, yes. Corporately, yes. You're not through. Verses 9 to 11 talk a little bit about what God wants to do. The progress he wants to see. He wrote that and his prayer that they would continually grow in love. This is not kind of a sappy, stupid, shallow, blind love. He prayed that that love would be wrapped up in knowledge. Not just knowledge, but a fuller, complete form of knowledge. That they would be discerning in the perception of what's right and shrinking away from what's evil. In verse 10, there's this knowledgeable, discerning love of nine enables one to recognize and see clearly what's the greater value, what's excellent, what's good. Then one can be pure and true when he's exposed to the light. Sincere and blameless and genuine and confident before God. And verse 11, love is to continue to grow in knowledge and discernment and in holy living. This comes from the work of Jesus and then issues in the glory and praise of God. Do you remember who you were before you were in Christ? Are you there now? Please don't say it. You're not there. You're different. God has started the good work and he's kept on with it. Now there's part of you that has been more resistant to change in other parts. I I mean, I know that because I'm married and that's the way Diane is, but... God is about changing us for His glory. And He will use whatever it takes toward that end. This glory that He has is His inherent majestic greatness, uniqueness. It's His holiness, His difference. Praise is the proper response in our hearts, in our voice, and in the way we live to the glory that he has. We're pilgrims. We're strangers on this earth. We're short-term residents. Paul said we're in a tent looking for a house. We are the poor wayfaring pilgrim. Pilgrims came to America looking for a home. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress describing the Christian's life on his pilgrimage to heaven. That's our journey. What's God doing with us on the way? If When we follow the biblical story from creation, we see God hard at work. God works. And then rest. God's final purpose in his people, individually and corporately, is that they would bring glory to him. His goal in mind for you and for harvest. So ask, is he trustworthy? Um, I'm not going to ask uh, Jim, but what's one of the hardest things in the history of this church? Don't say it out loud. What's been one of the hardest things in your life? Don't say it out loud. Did did God know? Could He redeem that? Could He use that? As intentional as He, has, as he is, will your progress and the church progress be smooth and painless? No, it will not. But can you trust God to work with you? Can you trust God to work with your church? Can you trust God to finish what God starts? Can you trust him to accomplish his goal in your life and the life of your church? Is that even what you want? Some people who call themselves believers don't want that. They want life to be easy. They want life to have everything they want and it isn't. God there, after all, for them, just to satisfy them and make them feel better and happy? That's what some think. One of my favorite books in the Bible, probably my favorite prophetic book, partially because it's only three chapters, is Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2.14 has an incredible little verse For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Totally, completely, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Is the earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of God right now? No, I don't think so. Even in individuals, it's hard to see that sometimes. We get preoccupied with ourselves. God's purpose, God's purpose is that the earth would be filled with His glory, with the knowledge of His glory. Ephesians 1, starting with uh, verse 3, talks about praise of God. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, not our comfort, with which he's blessed us in the beloved Things in heaven and earth all being united. In him, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. You mean I can't tell God what to do? I can't find some way to manipulate God? I can't speak just some words of faith and command my wallet to be full? It is full. I have several credit cards. We have been, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will so that we were, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Yeah. To the praise of his glory. In chapter 3 of Ephesians. In the prayer. At the end. In verse 20 and 21. At the end of the prayer. He says. Now to him. We use this as a doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Good benediction. But that's not just a benediction. You know, I really, when I come to church, I just wasn't inspired today as I really want to be. And, you know, I don't know if I really like the way my pastor teaches. I don't really know. And the music today is just kind of, yeah. Why are we here? To grade everything? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever Romans 828 through 39 again very familiar passages, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Well what's his purpose? Our happiness, our comfort, our safety. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he justified, he also called. And those whom he called, those he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God is finishing what he starts what then shall we say to these things? I don't like them. I would like a different process. You don't understand who I'm married to? You don't understand how hard it is during this time and how fearful I feel? What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's your tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it's written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. we're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. It sure feels like it sometimes. but what's God doing? No, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I'm sure that neither death nor life. Nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now that's an appropriate amen. You can't, if you can't say amen to that. I'm going to ask you week after week to repeat after me. And I'll do it slowly the first time for you because, you know, this is first service here. My God is sovereign over all creation. Say it out loud. My God is sovereign over all creation. Yours part B. I will trust Him. That's a mouthful. Today we're going to cover in the next few minutes the book of Genesis. We're going to see what God did, the history of what God did, toward His goal of glorifying Himself. I've never preached this sermon, but I'm going to tell you, I'm thinking of reading Jim Spencer's books. We reread them last week, Jim. Yeah, there's some interesting things in those things. It really was, it was fun. But this sermon began in a seminary class for me in 1973. I'm using some class notes from a guy named Buck Hatch. And they've recently been put into a book uh, called As the Father Has Sent Me by a guy named Ron Culbertson. In three or four weeks, we will get to the book of, of First Samuel, how God changes people. So here's Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what God did. We're talking about what God did so that we know who God is. Genesis 1 to 11 is like a prologue, an introduction to the rest of the Bible. It, if you don't know Genesis 1 to 11, some of the rest of the Bible doesn't make sense. Chapter 1, just think through this. If you've got a Bible, you can. I don't, I'm not going to say anything about them except just sentence. Chapter 1, God created the universe, the earth, all humanity, and it was good. Chapter 2, God gives a, de- a detailed account of the creation of Adam and Eve. Chapter 3, sin entered paradise as Adam and Eve disobeyed after temptation. Was God being glorified? Was God glorified when he brought Eve to Adam? Was God glorified at the end of chapter 3? Chapter 4, sin passed on in genetics. Cain killed Abel. Chapter 5, we have the genealogy from Adam to Noah. That's the first section of the prologue. Section 2, all humanity in in chapter 6 is evil and God calls Noah. Chapter 7, the world was destroyed by a flood excepting Noah's family and each animal family. The flood ended in chapter 8 and Noah's family left. Chapter 9, God gave Noah a command to repopulate and a promise There'd be no second flood. There's a rainbow promise. Chapter 10, we have the genealogy chase, tracing Noah's ancestry through his three sons. Is God being glorified? God's purpose is to glorify himself. Is he being glorified? The third section is just chapter 11. People defiantly build a tower, but God tangled up their language and scattered them. The rest of the chapter is a genealogy introducing Abraham or Abram and his wife. So here's the summary, Genesis 1 to 11. Disobedience, destruction, dispersion after being in the most glorified, wonderful place on earth. And poor God is left wringing his hands at wit's end as to what to do to make these people happy enough so that they will glorify him No. God's not done. If it looks like his desire is to be worshipped and glorified, it looks like an abject failure. But it looks like humanity might need to change. It looks like humanity might need to be redeemed from sin. It looks like God's not through. And that's the prologue to the Bible. And then Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. God moves and he said to Abraham or Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who dishonor you. I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God did something. He didn't give up. Genesis 1 to 11 shows God working with the world. But in chapter 12, God starts working with an individual. Abram. God took the initiative. Ephesians 1 that we read before shows God taking the initiative. There's two primary promises in what he made. I'm going to make of you a great nation first. And secondly, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So the rest of Genesis, chapters 12 to 50, is, how, is about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Now, Abraham is going to be the father of a great nation. But there was a problem. In order to be the father of a great nation you need a wife and you need children. He had a wife. We had no children. Had God forgotten that Abram was 75? Had he forgotten that his wife Sarah was old and what's the next word? barren. After 11 years after the promise, they grew tired of waiting. And Sarah suggested to the willing Abram, he produced the promised child through the Egyptian servant, Hagar. This conception was outside God's plan, just in human effort. The child Ishmael was not to be the promised son. When Abram was 99 years old, God doubled down. On his promise. It's, he's like, God? He reassured Abram twice before, but in Genesis 21, first two verses, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. God? did it. God acted. God was not passive. God didn't just set this whole thing in motion and sit back in a rocking chair. God is intimately involved with you right where you are right now. He's intimately involved with His church right where it is right now. God knows. God cares. But God is not passive. Was there any doubt about How this happened? Well, it wasn't the first time that Abraham had tried with his wife. She wasn't getting younger. But God did it, and everybody had to know it, and he's glorified in this first step toward that great nation. In the text, not in time, the next thing you see, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. What about the only son... The son of promise, the son who would be his descendant and the start of a great nation. But he wanted Abraham to demonstrate that he loved God more than he loved his son. And God provided a substitute sacrifice. So now we have Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. There was a great nation of two, now there's a great nation of three. And then Sarah died, so we're back to two. Where's the great nation? Where's the progress? Progress comes slow with some of you. I know some of you. Some of you know me. Progress comes slow in a church. If it comes quick, there might be something wrong. Not that God can't do that. Then in chapter 24, Abraham sent Isaac back to the home country and the relatives to find his wife Rebecca, and God was so surprised because Rebecca was, say the word, barren. Hmm. So this is going to be the end of the line, end of the family, the end of the promise. As Isaac prayed for twenty years, God gave this barren woman not one but twin boys. So there's progress toward this great nation. But God chose to only include Jacob in the great nation. And God repeated his promise to Jacob in Genesis 26:4, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. But Jacob needed a wife. And he ended up with two. Uh, one that gave him children... And one that he loved. And the one that he loved was, say the word, barren. barren. Why does God always, why does he always have to work through difficult people and difficult situations and hard, hard people? Why does he do that? What's his purpose? His purpose, if God works through me and you, somebody's got to be glorified because we realize we didn't happen. I know, as I look back there at Jay, we could both tell a hundred stories about Mike Blood. Dr. Blood, who could be, uh, gruff is a kind word, Demanding, obstinate, but I always will remember Jay getting in that canoe and going over to the island and watching him pick up that first little kid, the one with spina bifida and who knows what else, had a head this big. He picks that kid up and hugs him in. And I'm going, yeah. God's working in my blood. God's given him this heart of compassion that's there. God reaffirmed his promise to Jacob in Genesis 28:13 to 15. Behold the Lord said, I am the Lord the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Sound familiar? Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God gave the same promise to three men. The Bible repeatedly says that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God does not forget his covenant. God does not forget his purpose. God is not finished. I'm gonna give you the same application for the sermon for the next uh, three or four weeks, so listen up today and maybe next week I can find a way to, for you to see it up here too. It's it's okay. First thing about what we've seen so far, God takes His time. Sound pretty simple. He's patient in executing His plans. We go through 50 chapters of Genesis. Now we've got 12 boys. What kind of boys were those 12? God's patient. God takes His time with you. You're not done yet. Second point, God works with individual people to shape the world eternally. I want you to think back in your Christian life individuals that God has used in your life. Individuals that God has used in your life. Who are those people? Think of three or four. Okay, now I'm going to give you a little assignment here to to work on. Have you thanked some of them? Or are you going to wait till you're in heaven, where some of them are? But secondly, I want you to say their names out loud. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to say a couple of names out loud. Just say it all together. One, two, three. Say it louder. Yeah, thank you. I could do the same thing. God works with individuals to shape the world eternally. I look at. One of the great joys of my life, other than my five kids and their their spouses, is some of the guys that were in my first church. I was eight years older than some of them. And to see what God has done with them, and to see them now as pastors and missionaries. It's an incredible thing. God is sovereign, third point, over all creation and history But He's intimately involved with individuals and nations rather than just creating the world and kicking back. What's God doing? I don't always understand it. What's He doing? He's using everything for His glory. God's work is sometimes hidden from humanity. Sometimes the purpose is unexplained. There's things that have happened in my life I still can't explain. Now, I've had some people who knew all the answers and they explained it to me, but they did what it wrong. Why does God allow? when well, we know the overall purpose. If we can know the overall purpose, we don't have to know every little detail. God uses sins of individuals and people groups to do his will. He can also overcome our sin and our failure and our rebellion and our weaknesses and even the consequences of our sins if He so chooses. You've sinned at times. I've sinned at times and I didn't really get the consequences I deserved even from people. Sometimes people have forgiven me and I didn't have to pay back emotionally but any other way. God Can you sin? The biblical line, the genealogy of Jesus shows some of that. God is gracious. God is gracious even when we can't see Him being gracious. What's His ultimate purpose in Romans 8? That we be like Him. You are gracious to your children when you discipline them. God's people, individually and corporately, do horrible things. It's from a sinful core, and it's inexcusable. God has promised that He'll discipline that. It's part of His grace. Participating in God's kingdom is not easy. It costs you something. If you're going to be a part of this church, you're going to have to deal with some really interesting yehoos. And they think the same about you. God will make his plan transpire according to his purpose. You know what book we're going to finish with? Yeah, it's called Revelation. You know that book? God finishes. Last, God will ultimately glorify himself, filling the earth with his glory, and he allows us to participate. Hopefully, optimistically, with that purpose. It's not just I'm on God's side. That's important. I get to play a role. And it's not always just being a bad example. God will use me for His glory. Wow. So what's God doing? From the very beginning of the Scriptures till the end. He's glorifying Himself. And He puts us in that. I'm going to pray and then we will uh, we'll look to next week and we'll cover a large, larger section of the Bible. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much. Thank You so much that You, Almighty God, made us for your glory and work with us for your glory, intimately involved with us individually and as churches, and as churches together. Thank you for how you use individuals in our lives. Thank you for how you use us in the lives of other individuals. And Father, we thank you that at one time, through the extent plan that you will not just unveil but that you will execute that your glory will fill the earth and that the redeemed of the Lord will say so we will be about the praise of your glorious grace Father we thank you for your son Jesus um, coming to earth and living with us And doing what was necessary toward that end. Amen.